many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Why, hello there, superhumans. Boomer Anderson here, your host of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Happy podcast day. And today, we're going to celebrate a trip I took about five maybe even eight years ago, to a float tank. And during that time, I was going through a period of high stress. And at the recommendation of my boss, I went to a float tank here in Amsterdam. And that experience was absolutely profound, both in terms of relaxation, but also in terms of shutting off my mind. So talking about flotation tanks on the podcast has been something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. It was just a matter of finding the right guest. And so today, I found that person, and his name is Michael Cordova. As always on this podcast, we really like to separate truth from false and to give you those bite-sized pieces of scientifically backed actionable information. And Michael's able to do it when it comes to float tanks. So who is Michael? Michael Cordova's purpose is to make a positive contribution to humankind by providing the tools to improve physical and mental well-being. He wants to create a safe environment for personal growth. He is also the co-founder, TEDx speaker, and float facilitator at Floating Point Float Center in Berkshire in the United Kingdom. This is an award-winning business that's helped over 5,000 people in the last three years, including the British rowing team, that's the Olympic rowing team, the world's strongest woman, as well as Great Britain's track and field athletes. And from a guy across the pond, you know, it's very cool to see that Britain's actually taking advantage of a lot of these technologies. Michael sees floating as an antidote to our 24-7 digital lives. So yes, you, that's still using the BlackBerry and connected to it all the time. And it's a way to alter our ingrained behaviors for a more positive and productive life. This conversation was absolutely fascinating to me. As I've mentioned, I found floating to be one of the best ways for me to just totally shut off. We talked about and really get into, for those who are not experienced with it, what is floating? What are some of the benefits? We do a deep dive into the scientific research on floating. And then finally, we talk about some of those psychedelic effects that you may face or feel when you're in the float tank. And don't worry, you shouldn't be scared about that. And lastly, Michael and I get into, of course, the final five questions. The show notes for this one can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash float, but I encourage you to stick it out to the end here because we really, really go deep on the float tank. Enjoy this one, superhumans, and have an absolutely wonderful and epic day. Sponsor for this episode is The Ring on My Finger. No, I'm not married yet, and frankly, before this ring, I hated wearing rings, but I must say, the guys at Aura have done a great job. The Aura Ring allows me to track all sorts of crazy things about my sleep, including my resting heart rate, my deep sleep stages, my REM sleep, etc., etc. I really enjoy the feedback, and it allows me to make lifestyle decisions to become a higher performer. Let me give you an example. So prior to getting the Aura Ring, I would fast essentially 16 hours after my last meal. It didn't matter when that last meal was. However, when I look at my resting heart rate and how that really correlates to my performance the next day, I know I want my lowest resting heart rate coming as soon as possible after going to sleep because that's when all my recovery really starts. So what did I do? Well, it allowed me to 
adjust really when my last meal was before going to bed. So I have my last meal now earlier in the night. I get better sleep. I get higher quality sleep. And I must say the next day feels amazing. So if you want to check out the Aura Ring, and if you want to pick one up yourself, go to AuraRing.com. That's O-U-R-A ring.com. Plug in the code BOOMER and you'll get $50 off your order or 50 euros, depending on your jurisdiction. I really hope you enjoy the ring and on with the show. Michael. So good to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Boomer. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's going to be great to be able to talk to you a bit more about floating and all the great benefits, man. Well, you kind of spoiled the surprise there, but uh, <laughs> the the floating <laughs> side of things, I'm really glad to have you on because it's a topic that, and frankly, a technology that I've used for a long time, but I wanted to have the right person on to talk about really the scientific benefits behind this, this flotation tank therapy. And, you know, you're the right guy. So I'm really excited to dive into this today, but, uh, you know, Michael, let's, let's dive right in. What is, I guess, for the uninitiated, the people who haven't had the pleasure of this experience, what is flotation therapy? Well, I'd say that floating is uh, essentially a way of achieving deep relaxation, basically, usually by spending an hour or more lying quietly in darkness, uh, suspended in a warm solution of Epsom salt water that's basically heated to around skin temperature. So that stimulates um, zero gravity, basically. So this basically, the tanks allow the user to disconnect from the outside world and they enter a deeper meditative state. Uh, and can experience nothingness in its purest form, basically. We're going to get into a lot of what you just said and dive a little bit deeper mm-hmm. here in a second. But I'm always curious how people come to discover flotation or sensory deprivation tanks because, you know, myself, I was referred to it by a former boss. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to hear your story on how you came to this. Well, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting question, man. Um, it's more of a I'd say it was more of a happy, a happy accident, really. Uh, so I was living and working in a very stressful job in London. So we were working with kids that had been uh, permanently excluded from schools. So it was a, a physically and emotionally draining job, to be honest. And I'd be traveling around London from week to week, week to week, no kind of real base. So obviously a combination of travel, you know, being on the underground constantly. Um, so I wasn't really that happy at the time either as well. Firstly, I wasn't in like the best place, to be honest. What with the job was kind of emotionally, physically challenging as well. And, you know, being in London, just like it, it was constant, like all the time. So it's just, um, I needed something to to kind of break that up just to kind of reset myself. But um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, at the time, you know, my wife came into my life uh, and that kind of, at that point, I felt as though I had a purpose, basically. And we were both on kind of a journey and we're supporting each other because we were both working in the same field. I mean, we tried yoga and meditation classes. Uh, we tried other different therapies as well, but we actually found it very difficult to, to kind of commit to like a regular class because we were in different parts of London all the time, a week to week. Um, so I listened to a podcast by uh, Joe Rogan. Oh, I actually remember that. And, yeah. and I think I've also... Joe Rogan was one of the reasons why I got into it more seriously rather than just the one-off. But I think I remember that podcast episode very well. Yeah. I mean, the video, like, I've always seen like, the float sensors and we put video, like we put that video out a few times as well. And uh, we get, always get a lot of interest and he's a great kind of ambassador for, 
for floating as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's the thing that kind of intrigued me and I've always had a love for, for being in water as well. So I thought this is, a, this is a bit of a no-brainer, really. So I thought, okay, well, you know, we need to try it. Um, and we found Ascension in London. And I have to tell you, it, it, it blew my mind, man. It totally blew my mind. It was uh, it, it was something else. It's, it's, I can't... The only way I can describe it really is that I saw lots of colours, shapes, faces. I felt this total kind of disconnect from the outside world. It was it was like this huge weight being lifted off my shoulders. Uh, and I felt like, amazing after that, man. I had the best sleep I had in a long while. Uh, and I remember saying to my wife, well, and our wife, Tina, that we, you know, that we had to do it that again. You know, as soon as we left, I'm like, yeah, we have to book that in like soon. Uh, and... And even on the way back, it was kind of like, I kind of knew after that first float session that we were going to open our own centre one day. And then we did five years later and many floats later as well, obviously. But it's um, it, it's had like a huge kind of impact, not just on my life, but obviously my wife as well. But we've, you know, we've made massive changes and we see that in our behaviour, uh, our level of confidence, the way we interact with people. You know, we do doing things that we, we wouldn't have done before. So, man, yeah, it's made a yeah, huge impact. And we wanted to obviously share that with everybody else. And we thought, you know what? Why aren't more people doing this? And, yeah, so that's why we opened. And, yeah, just help as many people as we possibly can. I think it's uh, your experience sounds a lot like my first experience where I, I had quite a stressful job. And the first time I actually tried it was in Amsterdam before I actually lived in Amsterdam. And I remember just being told by my boss at the time, like, hey, you should check this place out. And the experience was much like yours. I went in and it was, aside from really uh, some winter sports, it's very hard for me to shut off my mind mm. and, or was, now it's a little bit better. But, you know, I think floating was probably one of the other experiences where I was actually able to shut it off and just kind of enjoy. And so you know, that feeling is one that is elusive to many high performers and one that I absolutely enjoyed. But you touched on some of the benefits to yourself. Let's talk about generalized benefits since now you have the center. And what I love about you and the things you do is you do a lot of research behind this. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about really the, the benefits that you've seen not only with your clients, but just sort of the generalized benefits or why somebody should consider a flotation tank? There's kind of two reasons, really. I mean, it's mainly the, obviously the physical and the, the mental well-being, the, the, the core kind of areas that we look at. So, like, for example, for us, we have a lot of people that work for chronic, chronic conditions, so chronic back and joint problems. You know, we have injury recovery for, for athletes. We have people that come in for post-operative uh, recovery. Um, you know, people that have like stress, anxiety, depression. Yeah, but we, you know, even with the, a lot of the athletes that we work with, will come in for maybe like pre-competition visualization. Um, people come in to improve their meditation, cognitive function, or you can use it as a tool for for learning and uh, like reflection, basically. So, on the learning and reflection side, is that is that a lucid dreaming kind of? It's. I mean, I think basically what we're looking at in terms of the learning and reflection aspect, it's okay. So <laughs> I'll give you this little summary because it's not. I think it, I think it fits really well. But basically, floating is a bit like going on a date with yourself, <laughs> a, a, a naked date, you know, to be first really. But yeah. 
if you think about it, like once you're in, once the outside world is shut up in your sense, uh, you know, your sense of time and space basically disappear. So all you're left with is you and your mind. So like to many people, you know, that sounds kind of scary and uh, an hour or more of just, just you and your thoughts. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is we actually, especially in, especially in a modern day society, we do need to learn how to kind of, you know, reconnect to ourselves, basically, because we are, you know, connected 24-7. Um, and we seem to have this level of disconnect with our inner selves. So it, it's nice to say, and it's really important to be able to have um, time alone with yourself. You know, they, I mean, with the learning aspects, like we've had clients, for example, they've been floating with us for a year. Uh, and then they've been using it as kind of a meditation reflective practice, for example. And then they've decided, you know, after a year, they're going, you know what, I'll stuff it. I'm fed on my job. Um, and they've, they've kind of just gone, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to leave. And they've left and they, they've moved country. Obviously, that's not a great thing for us. But for him, yeah, it's amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had the clients that come in and they've been like, oh, you know, and they get they reach a point. And they've they had these really stressful managerial roles. Uh, and they get to a point where it's like, ah, oh, just, uh, you know, suddenly something sort of falls into place and it just makes sense. And then they're like, okay, you know, why am I getting stressed out about the stuff? It's, it's the most of it they have no control over anyway. So now he's kind of looking at doing his uh, personal training course. He's selling his flat. He's going to buy a houseboat. He's getting rid of his car. He's buying a motorbike. He's, uh, he's got rid of a few toxic people in his life. Um, yeah, and he's looking at making you know massive changes. Just and this is just based on his kind of regular floats, and it puts him to a place where it kind of subconsciously there's different thoughts and things that will come up into your mind that you weren't necessarily aware of, or certain things that you may have been suppressing. So the idea is you, you, you it's about uh, kind of relinquishing control when you're in the float session. Mm-hmm. Once you have, once there's that, you let go of that. Right, it, it's having that freedom. I think that's what a lot of pro- a lot of people not all the time, but some teams. That's why sometimes it takes a bit longer for people to get into float sessions. It's about learning to let go and not have control. Because once you kind of don't have that, the amount of freedom you you, you feel it's it, it's very liberating because you can only control certain things. So if you let go of the stuff you can't control of, like honestly, man, it it just frees your mind and the rest of your life up like dramatically. It's huge. It's yeah, there, there are only certain things in life we can control. And I think, is it Victor Frankl that said our reaction is the only thing that we can control, but, uh, okay. This is very, very helpful, Michael. Now let's get in a little bit more of the science because you and I have exchanged emails on this before. I've, I've spent a bit of time dancing around PubMed on this one. But do you mind going into some of the research behind these flotation tanks? Uh, well, I guess flotation tanks, or as I see on PubMed, it's sometimes referred to restricted environmental stimulation technique. But uh, do you mind just diving in? Uh, yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> good, good pun there, man. Uh, yeah, that that was actually in. an unintended pun, by the way. Yeah, it'd be quite shallow. I probably wouldn't recommend diving in, but... Um, yeah, health and safety alert, people. But, yeah, um, not head first. <laughs> oh, no. um, but yeah, let's have a look at it here. I mean, I, I'll give you, um, for those uh, people listening that are not necessarily fully aware, I'll, I'll give a quick uh, kind of synopsis of where it came from. And then just give you a minute. I'll talk to you about the uh, all the other studies and things that have been coming up as well. But I mean, flotation, you know, it's been around obviously a long time, since uh, 54. So John Lilly was an American new scientist. So he built the first upright tank. Uh, to study the effects of sensory deprivation on the mind. 
So he wanted to basically test the behaviourist model to see if any mental activity would cease if all stimuli was absent. So instead of turning off the mind state on and it continues to have experiences independent of external sensory stimuli, there's an interesting book uh, that that Lily wrote and talked about the meta programming and the human biocomputer, which it, it, it's quite a, an in-depth read, but if you get the chance to read it, yeah, I'll link to this book as well as everything else in the show oh, notes. Cool. And yeah. uh, we'll make sure that people are able to get a hold of it if they want the read. I mean, he basically decided, he was looking at, or thinking of the body as kind of hardware and mind as software, so programmable instructions determining, determining how the information flowing through the system. Basically, the human biocomputer is to be processed, uh, resulting in experiences of thought and emotion. So that's kind of where it originally started from. And then it, there was obviously a little bit of a journey. And then, then we come to kind of modern day where it's kind of been like more of a resurgence, I would say, the last maybe six, seven years. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously a wealth of research and new studies that are uh, being undertaken as well to show how fluent can benefit us. So Justin Feinstein and his team from the Laureate Institute of Brain Research discovered in preliminary studies in 2016 that floating has a similar effect to anti-anxiety drugs on the brain, which is pretty interesting. That's pretty big for this audience. I mean, this is how I actually got into floating a little bit was Mm -hmm. some of the work around or some of the science around general anxiety disorder. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was based in 2016. So if I jump ahead to now, so like this year, in fact, which is my recent study called examining the short term anxiotic and antidepressant effects of flotation and rest by which is not just fine thing, which they've got uh, a dedicated float facility at the Laureate Institute of Brain Research in Tulsa. So it's uh, so they've got MRIs, they've got they can measure EEGs, they do like all sorts of testing during like float sessions basically. So so in this new study, so the uh, they were found basically in the primary outcome measures that the float experience induced a reduction in self-reported state anxiety that was evident across all 50 participants. Moreover, when compared to non-anxious anxious reference sample, the anxious groups post-float state anxiety approached non-anxious levels. And, I mean, it's interesting because across the different pre- and post-float measures, there are also in, uh, a number of significant effects that found in that anxious sample. They found there was a significant reduction um, and that was observed in levels of anxiety, stress, muscle tension, pain, depression, and negative effect. Plus, there was also a substantial improvement in the mood characters by increases in serenity, relaxation, happiness, positive effects, overwhelming, and generals, feeling really refreshed, content, and peaceful. So this is just sort of a sample study of like uh, 50 people. And this is just based on one flex session. That's not even there. And these are 50 highly anxious people. Now, if you look at how, if you look at float tanks and they have like float rooms, float pods, there's, there's all sorts of different kind of float devices. Some of them have to like open, open float rooms as well. So, uh, so we deal with clients that come in as well and they come in. Some of them are highly anxious and they want to leave the float lid open or leave partially open. What's kind of interesting is that the first day, like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to close the lid, I don't want to close the lid, or I might leave it partially open. But after about 30 seconds, they're, 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 there's no problem. They, they'll close the lids, or and it's really interesting because you think, okay, well, these people are anxious, and it's a brand new environment, and yeah, you think, well, at any point, these people, these people could get out if they wanted to, but mm-hmm. they don't, and they stay in the tank for an hour, you know, and it's kind of like it's quite amazing to see the difference between before and afterwards, even if they haven't necessarily done like a study with us, but they, you can, you can definitely, you can see the visual difference on their faces. And, 
and the, you know the way they talk. So this this kind of study basically kind of highlights obviously all the really good positive effects that you know that a lot of float sense that we're basically all talk about as uh, within the float industry. Awesome. This is this is great, Michael. You know, we'll link to this study in the show notes. It's fantastic, and I think the important thing to highlight here is that whether it's anxiety or some cases pain, there is a lot of science behind this. And not only that, it's just damn relaxing. And yeah, so, you know, for people out there that haven't tried it, you definitely want to get into a tank and just and float. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit more on the performance side, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, because the you know, we have a lot of high performers listening here, uh, particularly in the corporate world, but also mm-hmm. in athletics. You've worked with a few athletic teams, and I know there's been a few prominent teams, one of which is my favorite baseball team, that has mm-hmm. used flotation tanks regularly. Do you mm-hmm. mind just touching on how these athletes have used it? Or, or if you're willing to share who you've worked yeah. with and what mm-hmm. benefits that they see? Yeah, sure. Well, um, over the last, I'd say, last two years, we've worked with uh, a number of different different athletes. So we, we, we've worked with quite a lot of elite athletes at the moment, um, but we also have our kind of semi like semi professional amateur athletes as well. So they all they all get the same kind of benefits, obviously slightly like different degrees depending on their training program and, uh, and how much they need to kind of recover, basically. But yeah, I mean, we are we're basically associate partners with British Rowing. So that means that we support all our current and future uh, Olympic rowers. I think we're the only float centre in the UK to have uh, like an official contract with Olympic Olympic athletes, which is good. Always a bonus. So yeah, we have them. We have uh, Farah Fonseca. So she's the uh, world's strongest woman in the lightweight category. That's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, and we have uh, we have a few GB and England track and field athletes as well. We've had a few of the women and men's England rugby sevens team in. Um, as well, so obviously that's in the UK. But if you mean for your, if you obviously if you're listeners in the US, you know you've got you know if you've got Stephen Curry, um, Tom Brady, there's guy Yasin Dubin who's an American ultra marathon runner, but he floats for like free race visualization and preparation as well. Uh, and then you've got let's say you've got there's the Chicago Cubs and there's New England Patriots, obviously God's State Warriors use them, uh, Olympic athlete gymnast Ali Raisin uses them as well. And the interesting thing is. Especially for, I guess, for the guys in the US, uh, for the US teams, since they started using the float tanks, or the, <laughs> during the first season of using their float tanks, incorporated as part of their recovery and training program, they've all won the major leagues. Yeah. So, so I think this, I think having, I think that this great with the teams like are, are shifting and kind of using and looking at various different other ways to support, you know, to support athletes because every single like one or even half a percent can make the difference between you know a win and a loss right so, and i would just say particularly on the cubs and sorry to interrupt you michael yeah, yeah. i am so glad they discovered it because it's been almost a century well over a century since they won the world series and then uh, their manager uh, john madden brought in the the float tanks and it was amazing i i remember watching that at 5 a.m in amsterdam when they won the world series so if it if it was 100 percent attributed to float tanks that's pretty awesome i mean i think this definitely has a, an element it, you know there's definitely definitely plays a quite, i think quite a big part i mean there's three different areas i think that sports teams and athletes fight to be honest with you so these are kind of recovery time stress reduction and like men, mental training, which are obviously all the three core things that kind of underpin 
um, what it is to be an athlete. If you're a full-time athlete, then, you know, it's, it's hard going. You know, if I speak to the guys that come do the, from the British rowing team, yeah, they're, they're training like maybe five, six, five, five and a half, six days a week, you know, even that's like the gym or like rowing or whatever, you know, it's like, or ergs, it's, it's crazy, man. It's just like, it's intense. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, with, for example, like with regards to the recovery time, uh, floating would help us to reduce the total amount of recovery time needed by A, increasing blood circulation, lowering lactic acid levels, and alleviating the pain of injuries, for example. So, what you're doing is by relieving the gravitational pressure, the blood is obviously able to circulate more freely, reach joints, tendons, muscles, and ligaments, than maybe you saw injured. So, I mean, this increased circulation allows our body to carry away waste and biochemicals such as lactic acid as well. Um, you know, you can, we know lactic acid accumulates in the muscles during intense physical activity and can cause pain, tightness, and cramping, right? So, in addition to reducing the amount of negative biochemicals and increasing the good ones, floating can also provide athletes with pain relief. So there's a release of natural endorphins coupled with the ability to become incredibly aware of knots, tensions, and painful spots allows for athletes to heal faster and overcome fatigue, or they might notice, like we've had other clients that come in, uh, and they may notice other like pains and aches in other parts of the body that may that you know that may have been basically overcompensating for, for a particular injury. So highlighting those things is just as important as just having as having the recovery and the rest and the relaxation aspect, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> the stress aspect is obviously, uh, is really important as well. And I think it's, and even for your, like people who are working in high-end, like managerial kind of roles and high-end, like top positions, obviously stress management is kind of, is at, you know, the utmost importance, basically. You know, when an athlete increases uh, or experiences, sorry, an abnormal amount of stress, then there's the possible, higher possibility of suffering from depression, apathy, Decreased self-esteem, irritability, weight loss, uh, increased vulnerability to injuries, and impaired performance. Now, flow therapy has been used successfully in clinical stress management. It's been found to reduce blood pressure, cortisol levels, and other stress-related neurochemicals such as uh, adrenaline and ACTH, basically as well. So, just on this, and I think it's important to for people to recognize this: whether you're an executive traveling all over the world and constantly stressed out, or you're an athlete working out, as you mentioned, five to six days a week, mm-hmm. hitting the erg all the time, uh, the stress on the nervous system is relatively the same. And so, mm-hmm. one of these ways to relieve, and one of the reasons why, Michael, I wanted you to come on the show is to explain to people this, this exact study that we're talking about is because it can help, you know, help you get your cortisol back into regulation, all this kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, again, sorry, I interrupted you again, Michael, but thank you for sharing that. (laughs) I mean, you know, we know that these, uh, all the neurochemicals that are known to trigger the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Which is um, which is in this uh, paper by Hutchinson as well. Booze and Al from like 2006. Um, it's very good for lifting the truck. You know, obviously having this high level stress, though, for being able to lift the truck up a track body or tearing out someone's liver or running like hell and mind is terror, but not so hot for the kind of clear headed strategy, pinpoint accuracy, total concentration, and perfectly coordinated finesse required in most sports. So while listening to relaxation response, flotation can help put athlete in a calm and shape or steady, centered alert, totally concentrated state of mind that allows them to work at peak efficiency. And this obviously translates on into both the business world and obviously into the world of um, high performance athlete, basically. 
And this is something that we noticed with one of our athletes, uh, for example, as well. So basically last year we had uh, one of the female GB rowers that came in and she was, I guess she's been over, over, she, she's overtrained. So she's been uh, probably done too much and she was definitely feeling it physically and mentally she was a bit drained as well. So, so she voted with us maybe four or five times over uh, maybe like six weeks. Uh, and then she had, I think, one more float before she had the Rome World Cup. I think it was, I can't remember which, I think it might have been the Rome World Cup number two. But basically, um, before her float session, or before her last float session, we said to her that she should put her fingers in a certain position. So, like, creating a, like a physical anchor. So, like, like you do if you were saying, seeing a therapist, for example, they might give you like a set anchor someone's feeling anxious, then if you put your fingers in a certain position or you were, you were touching your hand in a certain way, then that would act as a trigger to then, you know, calm your mind down. So so we gave her the same, we used the same idea uh, while she was floating. Uh, and then the week then, when she went to do her race, then when we spoke to her afterwards, she said that she'd tried that technique um, and then just closed her eyes and then put her fingers in the same position uh, and then, which put her head back into the into the tank, so it created that that link to that calm and relaxed state. Um, and then she went on to win silver, which is pretty good, I guess. I mean, silver is amazing. But it, it, just so I understand this clearly, you basically, mm. I guess, in neurolinguistic programming, they would call it an mm. anchor. But yes, you correct. created an anchor for her so that mm. she could access this state of call it relaxation, clarity, whatever you will, <laughs> either before or after the race or just at a time when she needs it. And that's how she won silver. Do I have that right? Correct. Yes. Basically, yeah. So we gave her the anchor. She used it while in the float session. So while she was floating, she held her hand in that position. And then just before, like before the race, I think it was like five minutes before, we sat, sat in the boat and she had her eyes, eyes closed for a minute and then just... Put her fingers, held the fingers in that position, and then just to, just to slow everything down, just so she can get her focus. And then just like yeah, do what she needed to do and um, get a medal, basically. That, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a little things that you know. I mean, what we like, what I like to say personally is that the the float tank is, I see is more of a tool. So, depending on what people want to use it for, then it, it's you know, they it, they can do that. So like I said, with the recovery aspect, of the, you know, or in their preparation, it just creates that perfect kind of space where people can just be because there's no judgment from anything. There's no, you know, there's nothing. It's just you in that moment. So you can see, visualize in your head how you want a race to go, how you want like a presentation to go, how, you know, ideas will come up it gives you a different place your mind's not freer to kind of focus on different things so people are working on like a project for example uh, they might be able to look at things in a slightly different perspective because there's not that excess noise from like teams that they're working with or other people it just it kind of you can separate elements of yourself uh, and then just to kind of improve your performance um, and like presentations or whatever, or whatever you want to apply yourself to anything from like from art to music to yeah to you know to elite levels of sport basically it's uh it's it's yeah it's amazing excellent now i guess because i'm a measurement geek do you mind touching on how we're able to measure some of these benefits because 
other than getting a 24-hour cortisol test right afterwards, I, I'm kind of struggling to see how we can measure these other benefits associated with floating. Well, some of them, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's to some degree, it's kind of difficult. So, um, like, for example, okay, so for example, for myself, so a few weeks ago, I, I, I did like an overnight floating session. So uh, I, I use my um, aura ring to uh, track to track my sleep. Let's let's talk about this because I've never. <laughs> I want to hear about the overnight floating session, and I have both the old gen and the new gen aura ring. So I would love to hear what what the results were. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, so interestingly. Um, actually, well, I did it twice. So the, I did it on a, on a Tuesday evening first, um, and I did like a four and a half hour session. So that was more of a, I guess, for me, a test run. And I'm, I had a great session, don't get me wrong, but I was really glad because it, the, the ring at that point didn't really record any data for that night. Personally, I think that's mainly due to the fact that my hand was in the water. Obviously, you know, the, the aura ring, this is generation two, um, by the way, uh, may or may, may, may not have obviously picked up the body temperature because obviously the water is slightly different. Um, whether there was water and actually soft between the ring sensors on my finger, where the ring moved. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but for the Tuesday night, I'm going to pick up any data. So the next night, the Wednesday, uh, I decided to do, do six, I tried to aim for a bit longer to like maybe six and a half, seven, like seven hours basically. And uh, I then rested, rather have my hand in the water, I mean, I rested my hands. I had like a like a small white air, like little pillow, I guess. So I rested more of my hands just on there. I mean, I deflated it now, so it was about as close to the water as I could get it without my hand getting wet. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of actually the actual sleep-wise, I managed, um, uh, let's see, I think it's about six, yeah, six and a half hours sleep with, I think it was about 30 minutes of deep sleep. But um, I mean, in terms of my actual sleep quality, uh, so, and I think having floated on the, the night before obviously would have had an impact because I would have been slightly more prepared to be in that kind of environment. Um, so in, in terms of my, I'm just bringing up a few details here now actually, but in terms of the actual burrowing itself, um, let's have a look. Just going to bring, grab some info for you. Uh, so, um, yeah, well, I, actually I measured it in two different ways actually. Beforehand, I used heart math. So, so just so I know, um, so I can measure my heart rate variability, basically, and I measured my heart rate variability after, just so I can see uh, the coherence level, basically, uh, and see how much of an impact that it had before. So, uh, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll go through some of the data just to, yeah. Just yeah, sure. Down. So just uh, for people who are unfamiliar, the heart math is essentially, are you using the inner balance or are you using the pro? Okay, so with that, you're just clipping something to your ear and you're going through a series of breathing exercises, which effectively measure the coherence in terms of, I guess you'd call them waves between your brain and your heart. Now, I'm very curious, Michael, what were the before and after differentials? Okay, so um, let's have a look. So my heart, I'll give you some, my heart rate was 66 BPM beforehand, right? So, so on like heart math, which is the M Wave Pro, so it measures coherence. So it, it a, you get a coherence ratio basically, uh, which is the red, blue, and green. So obviously red is like you know, not very coherent. Obviously blue's all right; it's kind of average. 
and green. Green is like, you know, great. It's like, what are you? It's the more green, obviously, the better, right? So, uh, so I had at the beginning, so I had 15 in red, which is obviously low coherence, 67 in blue, and about 18 in green, right? So, obviously, with my high level coherence, my green and blue obviously be higher, right? So, um, so this is more for me to gauge more of a, a baseline score. And I can say that, um, like post float, um, my average heart rate was down to 60. Um, my reds, which is my low coherence was nine medium was 61 and my coherence high level was like 30. So I mean, there was definitely a shift and an increase. Um, so from, from that side of things, um, you can see that it has had a positive effect in terms of um, my my thought, my thinking, my heart rate, my heart rate, ability, breathing. Everything's more balanced, basically. Interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, it's that's very cool. Now, going back, uh, I guess, on the aura ring, do we want to yeah. talk about that now, or is it something that we'd have to maybe link to in the show notes? Um, it's up to you. I mean, I've got I've written a full blog post about it online so it's, i mean it's all the like all, all the data you you would need basically so everything from um like my sleep score so um like my rem sleep i had like an hour and 20 minutes woke up like once and that was obviously i guess at the end um yeah so my sleep score was like 78 um and my heart rate went from like 67 dropped down to about 59 so from the so it is quite interesting to see how the measurement of heart rate on the aura ring from when I finished to the, actually to measuring the heart rate variability with heart math after is pretty much is more or less the same. So, so which, which means shows, okay, well, obviously the, the aura ring is, is pretty accurate in terms of measuring, uh, measuring uh, like heart rate, for example. And then I guess to just give some people some context, how does this differ from your average sleep score? Uh, because, or not, let's not focus on sleep score, just sort of differentials that you've noticed based on a night in your bed versus a night in the float tank. That's, that, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I think, I mean, it, it's difficult we to, I mean, it's difficult to kind of say exactly, but um, I think the impact um, in, or the difference, it is not that much difference in terms of, and don't forget, this is kind of an extreme version because like not most, no, most people won't do, don't do like six and a half, seven, eight hours of sleeping in a float tank. So it was just interesting for me to see as a comparison, see if A, like if A was possible and what kind of results, because I've been wanting to know for like a while and I've not had the informational technology to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, we have looked at um, other different studies. Um, we, we actually did a small study uh, ourselves with the Stress Management Society. Um, and basically, we, looked, we did a similar thing, but we measured the heart rate variability uh, before a float session, after a float session. And this was over a period of like four to six weeks, like one, one float a week. Uh, so that included um, other specific uh, questionnaires as well to do to, to, uh, questionnaires, interviews, measuring heart rate variability. Obviously, measuring the blood aspect would have been uh, slightly tricky. But yeah, I mean, even we say we use the heart math to record the HRV and the coherence print post float as well. So in, in some respects, you know, we, with looking at the heart rate variability, that, that's quite a, an interesting way of kind of measuring the pre, pre and post float. Um, I'd like to be able to measure the heart rate variability during a float session. Yeah, I've, um, 
I've been in touch with the guys from Aura, and there's possible that you're going to be able to get the uh, the instantaneous HRV rel- yeah. relatively soon. I've heard later this year, although it may be earlier early next year. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I think with that, if it's going to be on demand, it's whether or not there's going to be an option to you know have that continuing recording. Like, I mean, I was looking at another. Um, there's another device that's you can wear on your chest that will consistently measure your heart rate variability, basically. Um, I'll have to try and, I'll see if I can dig out the name of it, but it's a company in the UK. It, it's a wireless one as well, um, but it would measure obviously heart rate variability throughout the session, but I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the equipment, the, the device is like about a thousand pounds, so, so yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to be using it for a, a period, short period of time, it, it's kind of fine, but I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. I might look and invest in getting one in the future. Um, just, to, just to do more research here, because uh, I think it'd be quite interesting to look at how how the heart rate variability changes during the session as opposed to going, okay, well, this is before, this is after. We have no idea what goes on. Once you have that data, I'd love to see it. Uh, that would be very cool. So, Michael, if you don't mind, I want to talk a little bit about something that I've experienced in the tank, and I think you and I, before this, were discussing it. You have as well. Let's talk about the the psychedelic, almost psychedelic. And by the way, we're not talking about doing drugs and going into the tank. We're we're talking about just what happens in the tank. What is the reason why I may sometimes see? Uh, random colors or have an almost psychedelic trip inside of a tank um it, it's a very it's a very interesting uh question as well and i just want to point out that this doesn't it is this doesn't happen as often as people think it does i think some people are slightly more susceptible than others um there isn't anything that's necessarily different about each person but i think it's um you know it's it's different for everybody and uh, you mentioned to me that you said uh, you'd seen um, colors like purple, right? Yeah, exactly. Purple, bright lights uh, in a dark tank, which doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the whole thing's amazing. I mean, you know, you can you can you can see anything. People have seen kind of colors, shapes, faces, animals. to full blown kind of like lucid dreams, basically. You know, but the, the lucid dreaming aspect, I think, is uh, a lot rarer, um, and that's something that. I think it's possible over maybe a longer longer session, so you know, like maybe like two hours or two hours, maybe more. But I mean, like you said, you don't obviously need to see uh, how many psychedelic drugs are like seeing any colours and objects that aren't really there, really. Um, I mean, 15 minutes of near total sensory deprivation could bring on hallucinations in many otherwise uh, sane individuals. So uh, you think getting in a float tank this time extended, so the chances are you know a little higher for someone to experience these visual hallucinations. And there are obviously a number of facts that could have had or could have an impact. So this includes whether they have music throughout a session or not. I, I, I personally like to float without music during a float session. So I, I don't know how, how you float. No, no music for me, except for the one at the end, just to wake me up. Awesome. Yeah, good, good, good. Excellent. So, um, yeah, the, you know, obviously there's things like the temperature of the water as well that could have an impact on how perceptible it is to the individual and their current state of mind as well. So sometimes, like, it's difficult because you're trying to balance all these different kind of factors to create that kind of optimum uh, point to be able to create and have these um, visual uh, visual hallucinations, basically. But I'd say you have to kind of go with the flow uh, as well uh, and after a while, open your eyes. Um, if you see something, you know, try not to focus on it because it, it will disappear. 
that's, that's the thing. Um, as to why it happens, uh, well, it appears that when confronted by lack of sensory patterns in our environment, we do have a natural tendency to superimpose our own patterns. So hallucinations happen when the brain misidentifies the source of what is it it's experiencing. So it's a concept that researchers call faulty source monitoring. So, I mean, this is the idea that hallucinations come about because we misidentify the source of our own thoughts. So basically, something that actually is initiated with us gets misidentified as being from the outside. So, and obviously some people are more prone to others, but it isn't, there isn't any kind of particular reason or there's no why that happens. So, like, for example, I've had quite, I'm a quite a creative individual, so I, I like my science, I like my tech, but I also love my art. So I like, you know, like painting and I like music um, and I like anything that's visual and creative. So that, yeah, I'm, I'm quite lucky that I have a kind of a balance of both. So I imagine that a lot, some of my more visual and most um, vivid kind of float sessions and visual hallucinations are, are triggered because of that part of my creative side inside of my brain that likes to create you know stories and build things you know but i mean yeah if, if you had any kind of really interesting uh visual kind of hallucinations or visuals and stuff sure i, I always describe this to people as if if i were in and there's one of two ways i can take this but let's go with the one that people may be more familiar with there's certain scenes in austin powers where they have these almost psychedelic tie-dye um, yeah. colors popping up on a screen and not to say that Austin Powers is a good movie by any means but it was just the thing that came to mind the other direction I was going to go was a Jimi Hendrix album cover so okay, yeah. uh, but if you look at just my my experiences of floating most of the time within the first 15 to 30 minutes I will get these really deep vivid um, color pictures that come out in front of me, which to me, you know, you're sitting in a black tank. It doesn't really make sense, but you get the, like all these blues, purples, yellows, very bright lights. And then all of a sudden, and maybe it's because as you alluded to earlier, I'm just focusing on it. It goes away. And mm -hmm. it, it's very interesting because after that moment, I am completely relaxed and it's almost as if I could cut my, my session short, but yeah. it, it's, it's intriguing to me. And I had to ask the question because I was wondering if it's just me and my interesting mind or if everybody or some people experience it. I think there's, there's a good portion of people that, that experience it. I mean, for example, I had a, a, a client the other day that came, uh, literally like two days ago, and he said he was, uh, he was in the middle of his float session, um, his eyes were closed. Yeah, the lights are off. There's no music. Um, he said he started seeing like a red kind of mist, like in front of him. This was the eyes closed first, right? And then he said he opened his eyes, and then he said the mist was still there, and it and it had it was kind of in front of him. So, and then he started. Then next thing he said, he oh, he started focusing on it more, and the more he focused on it, it just it, then it vanished, disappeared. I kind of I kind of get this feeling. Because what you said is that, okay, well, basically you see all the visual aspects. And after that, you suddenly feel relaxed. So some, in some ways, it might be just like a, a buildup of um, like, you know, like your, like your brain just like purging, um, like visual, like a, a buildup of like all your thoughts, but combined into like one thing that's kind of like exploding, you know, like a, like a supernova or something like that. Man. It's just kind of like, and then suddenly you have this massive build and then suddenly it just disappears. It's gone. And then it's just this, this massive sense of calm. 
you know. Um, but it, it could be because if you think about it, if you look at people when they have like dreams, um, and you can look at dream like dream interpretations as well. Like um, it could be that certain colors, patterns, certain images, and things pop up are related to certain emotions or certain experiences that we can't necessarily uh, either a put into words or, or b it's just a, a feeling. And then once that goes then it's kind of like, it, it's, it's gone, you know? And some of them can be really positive and really good. And sometimes it can be really captivating and interesting. But um, obviously, like, like we look into dreams and things, then, you know, certain, you know, images will just pop up and they have, we're like, what the hell is that all about? And we have no understanding of it, but we feel better after it's it's happened and it's gone, which, I mean, that, that's kind of my slight explanation. It might be, I, I have no idea, but I mean, I mean, that's, that's something I kind of might interpret in my way. Um, I've had quite a few uh, interesting, um, yeah, interesting, interesting visual uh, sessions. I mean, I could I could tell you the my most vivid one if you if you want. Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, so the I I had okay. So we have a float room that's at the back of the center, uh, so it's a bit further away from the obviously further away from the front door and what have you. So. Um, so this is what I think. I'm lying in a float tank with my head at the back. So there's a shower outside the float tank on the back wall. Right. So during my float session, um, there, there's a point where uh, I feel like someone's shining a very, very bright light in my face. So this has happened on like three different occasions now. So I, I kind of recognize that as soon as I open my eyes, something's going to happen. If it, I know I know now that where, what the trigger is. Yeah. So I... I then open my eyes, and this is the this is the most like messed up crazy thing. Yeah, I, I was lying there, and then I okay, I know the lights in the room were off. Yeah, there was nothing on. Yeah, I open my eyes, I could literally see through the whole list, the whole top of the pod. It was like um, you can imagine like the force field around the Death Star, like it was like that literally around the edges. You could see the kind of shimmering edges of the pod. Um, I could see the lights in the ceiling were on. I could look down, I could see the shower, I could see the whole room, but I know like that everything was off. In my mind, I know everything was off, yeah? I could see the room, I felt like I was drifting down really slowly. And then as I was looking up, then the walls started bending in on themselves. So then the lights all started like joining up together until it just disappeared into like to darkness again. And then I kind of turned out. But this is the weird, the weird strange thing is my eyes were open the whole time. Wow, that's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, man. I, I've had other ones that are similar, you know, with like um, like little little flames appeared and smoke um, has, uh, the smoke's changed and morphed into like shapes like wolves or animals or uh, and, and things like that. You know, it's just um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's my overactive like mind, and I just want to like just get everything out. But it, it was it was the most like weird, surreal kind of experience. But I was not. It's like I was no longer like connected to my physical self it was like i was kind of i felt like i was lying on top of me which which is which sounds crazy right but yeah, I, I think for anyone listening out there if you're particularly scared about these these <laughs> sites i i wouldn't be and in fact it's actually quite a an enjoyable experience and as i alluded to earlier on the other side of whatever this color explosion that occurred mm. was relaxation and for a while, it was very hard for me to do that. And through floating or sensory deprivation tanks, whatever you 
whatever mm-hmm. your preferred nomenclature, I was able to experience this relaxation. So uh, I do encourage people to check it out. But one question, one last question for you, Michael, before we get into my final five, Are you different? Yeah, yeah. is uh, how long do you recommend people float for? If I'm honest, I mean, it's obviously it's going to be different for everybody, right? So uh, like for most of our regular clients, they find like an hour is enough because they, they just, it helps set them up for like the months and it just kind of helps to kind of rebalance. It's like they, they have this whole build of work and life and all this stuff going on. Um, and after a while, we tend to see, usually after maybe like four or five, five float sessions that people are starting to ask or they're, they're not finding like an hour of floating is enough. So then they'll look at coming for like 90 minutes or two hours. Um, I mean, 90 minutes is a good happy medium. 90 minutes is, is my... If I, obviously, that's my kind of average per, if I float maybe once, twice a week. I'd like to do, obviously, two hours, three hours, whatever. Obviously, it's more to do with the timing and things, really, realistic than more anything else. But I tended to find that an hour and a half to two hours for me um, is, is good. And that sets me up nicely. Um, I think it's the same as if you're going to be practicing, like, yoga or meditation or whatever. You, know, you want to, like, the first few times you're kind of getting used to it, you, you know, you're learning more about yourself, how your body works, how your mind works, all that sort of things. So once you kind of get to a point where it's like, oh, okay, you can really get into the flow sessions, probably usually after, say, third or fourth, then, you know, people kind of go, okay, they really wish they could stay longer or they'll start booking and they'll do an hour and a half session. So I think it's like it's some people, they can just go in, they can do an hour and a half, no problem. Some people, they find it's a bit harder to switch off or disconnect or be alone with themselves for an hour. So, uh, so sometimes it takes that a little bit longer, but yeah. Michael, now I want to go into the final five. And these are sort of rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests. And it's it's always interesting to hear what comes out of this. So the first question is, what is health to you? Well, health is where, for me, is health is where the mind and body are in high levels of coherence. So working together to improve our own physical and mental well-being whilst creating a, you know, a positive environment for ourselves for optimal personal growth. Excellent. What aspect of health do you wish people would be more aware of? Uh, I think I think I'd say their minds. I mean, obviously, fitness is quite a huge thing, and um, you know, mental health is massive, and it can obviously have a massive impact on our physical health. Hence, why obviously that's why you know I'm so passionate about floating, uh, and you speak from my own experience. You know, um, and we have an almost you know say limitless selection of entertainment distraction as well. Uh, it's easy to find ourselves in a constant state of busyness and it is to do nothing. So, you know, not only can we learn to embrace nothingness, it can help to enhance our minds, alter our perceptions of time, uh, and allow us to lead, you know, more happier and fulfilling lives. So basically what I'm trying to say is that we need to learn to accept ourselves and gain a deeper understanding of our own habits and behaviours before we can make, you know, the necessary change needs to become happier and healthier. You may be biased on this one, but I have to ask, what's your top trick for enhancing focus? Uh, you know, apart from floating, you mean? Um, <laughs> like I said, you may be biased. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 hundred percent. No. Um, well, I mean, there's a simple other daily practice that I uh, that I you know I, I pretty much do every day, uh, and that's the ability. Uh, and this this little daily practice um, not only makes a dramatic change in mindset and the operating state, but it can help alter your attention mobility to literally allow you to see things that other people miss. So I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's a it's called attentional training. I, um, I haven't. Do you mind educating me a little bit? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, basically, attentional training comes in many forms, both active and seated. So uh, the critical elements always include the cultivation of the high levels of sustained focus that are required either by instruction or by the intrinsic nature of the activity. Um, I mean, I could I can explain a, a, a simple technique if you want. Yeah, um, sure. Why don't we give people just a real quick example? Okay, so this is like a simple technique, and it's to help you get started with a very basic, accessible ten-minute daily seated practice. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you can probably use this um, either as a daily practice, or you can use it even in preparation before you go into a float session, or even within the first ten minutes of a float session, for example. So um, one, find a quiet place. Two, sit in a comfortable upright position with your hands on your knees, or you're lying down. Then that's fine. Uh, close your eyes and take 10 breaths. So letting your exhale get longer and longer with each one. So starting at a very gentle pace, begin to count backwards from 100 by threes, saying each number softly or just sublingualizing them and with every inhale and exhale. So for example, yeah, if you inhale and think and say another 100, exhale, think and say 97, inhale, think and say 94, and so on. So if you get number one, just let it go, set your right one, and move on. So when it becomes easy, or a few days, or you know, a few days a weekend, pick up the pace a bit until it becomes easy again. Bump the top number up by 25 and keep practicing the bumping pace until it gets easy again. Keep at it until the whole practice takes about 20 minutes and give it a few weeks. So let go of any expectations and see what unfolds. So like I said, you can do this at the start of a float session, during a float session, or even, you know, um, in, in essence, it is kind of a form of meditation that helps to enhance your, uh, enhance your focus, basically. Um, yeah, so if done right, you can obviously, uh, it helps lower your blood pressure and levels of stress hormones, uh, and your uh, attention becomes like highly focused. Excellent. What's your favorite book on high performance? Uh, so, uh, I just have to say that would be Mind Lift by Casper uh, van der Meulen. Good choice. Yeah, this book's an awesome for person to learn. Uh, and I was quite lucky that we managed to hang out with um, with Casper last year. He's uh, friends with a few other friends of mine at the uh, the Biohackers Summit in. Um, were you uh, Were you in Helsinki? Yes, yes. I was work- I, I was working there. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was working backstage and stuff with all the speakers and things. And so yeah, yeah, I mean, it was good. I mean, we, all my few friends were there. And, uh, they had their own stance. They all lived in Helsinki as well. So, but it, I mean, it was cool. The guy, guys, guys, a legend, man. I mean, the advice given, you know, uh, is instantly uh, applicable. You know, um, especially advice for my daily life. Not, it's not some kind of high concept, grand ideas that are only great in theory, but practical advice for you know increasing your productivity, health, and a lot more. I mean, I think it's written in a very down to earth manner. You know, with, with page counts and proper reading times for each section, so it makes it easy to read, and I can fit it into my schedule. You know, um, and it, it's, it's, it's things like that that I find kind of more beneficial to me, especially running the center and, and doing doing like talks and being involved this thing and that thing. Then um, time is obviously quite precious, so it's kind of using uh, being able to use different techniques to maximize my time, to, so I can work more efficiently, more productive, and achieve more by doing less absolutely Uh, aren't we all looking to achieve more by doing less just (laughs) one thing on the mind lift side i've had a chance to speak with casper very briefly and i'm trying to get him on the podcast one of these days but uh casper wrote that book with some very strong intentions around the page counts and i I have to say it makes the book very very easy to read Mm. and I, i forget exactly what he did but 
the the page counts are constructed in such a way that it's very easy to pick up. And you know, when I've talked to Casper yeah. about this, he said that it, some of the reactions he's gotten from people are anything from "Thank you for bringing me to read again" to mm. you know, "This has absolutely changed my life." So that's definitely a book that people should pick up. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's on our it's in our library in the float center, like you know, it's on our table, so people are are constantly reading it and picking it up and just like you know. And it's great because, like you say, you, you can just sort of just you can jump in, and it, it's it is really easy to read and really accessible. Um, and it's not because some there, there are a number of books out there. I wouldn't say like a lot, but there are a certain number of books out there that you have to kind of be into that kind of area, into that field a bit, to kind of with the help and stuff to be able to access it and have a, a great understanding. Of it, you know what I mean? Whereas this, it's like instantaneously, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. I can apply that. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Make these small changes. And you know, bigger, bigger things will happen. So this, this is kind of some of the principles that I kind of work from. Uh, and you know, and any opportunity is out there. Just uh, for me, I, I kind of like love to take it, and then just I can work out afterwards how to do it. And then as long as I as long as I go for it, you can always make a plan on how to then achieve that after after the um, <laughs> after your opportunity has been taken. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, Michael, where can people find you? Uh, okay, so um, if you're in the UK, uh, we are based in uh, a, a lovely place called Pangborn, which is a, a small village, hmm, which is in West Berkshire. So we're, we're quite close to London, about maybe 40, 45 minutes from West London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got people that travel here by train, by car. We're quite about 40 minutes from like Heathrow, Heathrow and Gatwick. Um, so we have people that have come in and fly in, and then they'll, they'll come and float here before heading into London or for, for business or work. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we're... Um, yeah, motorway, like 15 minutes away. Like we're, we're close and we're in the countryside, so it's nice and chilled and relaxed and you don't have to head back out straight into like a busy like town or city centre. We're just super chill and we have like the River Thames running around, meadows and all sorts of stuff, man. It's like the most like, chilled, chilled place. Like you can come out and just like, oh, go out and sit down by the river, have some food, relax, man. It's, just, it's, a, it's a beautiful little place down here, man. Sounds, sounds idyllic to me. I may have to come visit yeah, you guys so, soon. Oh, yeah. When you come down, yeah, yeah, come, come. Absolutely. So for all listening, the show notes can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash float. That's F-L-O-A-T. I I don't know any other way to spell float. But Michael, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a wonderful education and really a deep dive into floating, which is something that I've wanted to do for so long. So thank you so much. And I want to acknowledge you for all the really good work that you're doing. Thank you so much, man. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure. And I've, um, I've listened to your show from pretty much from the start and uh, I, lo- I love the work you, you, you do, man. It's, um, it's awesome. You're making me blush, but to, to all the superhumans out there listening, have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally... For those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, 
Have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.